Welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC. One of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is across the microphone from me, a nice six-foot distance. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome back. Hey, Robert. Happy to be here. One of the things that I hear a lot from clients, I suspect you do as well, is the notion very firmly fixed in the common parlance is that uh, that you have to leave something to people you want to disinherit in your will. And what do I mean? I mean, you have to leave them a dollar, don't you? You have to say, I don't want my worthless son, David, to get anything, so I leave him a dollar. Well, Robert, I, I will tell you, I just don't think that is the most effective way to either disinherit David or, or dissuade him from potentially uh, posing a contest to your estate. And you're right, we get this question from people, Robert, frequently. Not only folks who are coming in to do estate planning, but sometimes from people who are trustee or personal representative um, under a will. What do I do about this provision that says so-and-so is supposed to be admitted as a beneficiary? Or what do I do about this provision that is called a no contest clause provision? So we get questions either way, Robert, either on the administration or the estate planning side. A lot of my clients say, I want to be sure there's a no no contest clause. Uh, and I want to leave everything equally to my three children. Well, if you put in a no contest clause, it's really not going to be very powerful because things going equally to your three children is what would happen if you didn't do a will at all. And it's not like your uncle George can show up and contest your will and get a piece of your estate because you've got three children. They're going to get it all. And they're the only ones who can contest it. And why would they contest it if they don't get anything better than what they would what they would get if they if they didn't contest? So uh, the idea of a no contest clause, I get it. Why people say I want to make sure there's no court proceeding, but uh, but it's not very powerful in those circumstances. I think Robert, one of the things I try and talk to people about is the strategy here. Is is the strategy to avoid somebody bringing a contest to the terms of your trust or your will? Or is the strategy to simply make sure that somebody who is already a beneficiary doesn't gripe about things? Griping is different than following filing a lawsuit. Right, indeed. <laughs> and, and so sometimes people say, well, I want to put a no contest clause in my document so they know that I mean business. Well, you're going to be dead. So... Right. Uh, I, I sometimes kind of chuckle and I look at people and I say, well, listen, sometimes including a no contest clause when there's really no disharmony, in fact, can raise some questions and concerns and kind of stir the pot. And and so I would tell you, Robert, I am pretty seldom to put that in a no contest provision into a will or trust. Here is when I do do recommend those things. If somebody has a child who has been kind of outside the circle. Well, maybe we'll call that child an estranged member of the family. And my estate planning client wants to change percentages around so the kids don't get equal percentages, uh, percentages equal portions of his or her estate. But they do want to include the estranged child, and they're not sure about the effect of that. What, what will happen once they die and the estranged child is contacted about the administration of the estate? They don't want that estranged child to be coming to the table to say, I want an equal portion. 
that's a really good time to use a no contest clause because in fact, maybe the 15% that the estranged child would be getting, while it's less than his or her siblings, is gonna be enough to dissuade the estranged child from actually stirring the pot and, and contesting the terms of the estate planning document. Right, now your no contest provision could disinherit them if they did challenge, if they sought an equal share. And, and by the way, there's no entitlement to an equal share. If you want to leave everything to your favorite child, mom, uh, you can. I'm pretty sure that I'm mom's favorite child, although she <laughs> told me last weekend that everybody likes my little brother better, so I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, you can leave everything to one child. You can disinherit one of your three children. You can do pretty much everything you, anything you want to do, at least under Arizona law. There are a handful of states, and a handful may mean really just one, where you still have to leave something to, uh, to, to each child, uh, or you run the risk of having your, your will or your trust invalidated. But that is very, um, very medieval kind of thinking that just doesn't, doesn't hold sway much today. And Robert, when we talk about that scenario you posed at the beginning of our program today, somebody saying, Yeah, what are we going to do about David? You know, I I just, I have to leave him a dollar. Well, the way that these, at least in our office, the no contest or interim provisions of our documents work is essentially if somebody contests a provision, that person is a beneficiary, and there's no basis to provide for the rationale why they're contesting the document, the person can be treated as predeceased, meaning having died before the decedent died, thereby being completely un- uninvolved as a beneficiary and, and left out of the estate administration and disinherited altogether. Now, remember, you want to try and dissuade somebody from contesting the terms of your estate. So by saying, if you contest the terms and the terms leave you a dollar, you could be disinherited. Well, most people really don't care about a dollar, Robert. And it's worse than that. If you leave David a dollar, he just became a devisee under your will. That means he's, he's entitled to notice, he's entitled to object, he, he gets everything that all of the other devisees get. So the right way to disinherit David, completely disinherit David, is to simply say, I have a son, David, I'm not leaving him anything. We like to say in our documents something like, for reasons that he knows well, or it doesn't, it doesn't mean I don't love him, or something sort of vague to soften the blow a little bit. Uh, but we don't like to say, I'm leaving David nothing because he's worth a million dollars and he doesn't need my money, because that just invites him to prove that you were mistaken, that in fact he's not worth a million dollars and he needs your money. So we don't want you to give a reason, we just want you to say, I disinherit Dave. Here's another strategy. You really want a no contest clause to work? Leave David $10,000 and then include a no contest provision. And Robert, that's a very similar scenario to the scenario that I posed a minute or two ago with the estranged child, leaving that estranged child a different allocated share, a smaller percentage is, is another way to dissuade. But remember, Robert, when we do do those allocations based on percentage, 
that person's going to be involved throughout the end of the administration because we're not able to calculate that person's final distribution until the estate's ready to be settled. So in some cases, leaving a fixed amount, like your example of $10,000 to David, is in fact really strategic because you're leaving a fixed amount that's going to come off the top before other distributions are made. And as soon as that beneficiary is able to receive his or her distribution, that's it. That beneficiary may not be entitled to any other updates or distributions or or business in any form whatsoever about the estate. So, years ago, I handled a case, Elizabeth, of a guy who did not like his only son very much and really liked his sisters. He had three sisters, and so he wrote a will that said, "I leave nothing to my son and everything to my sisters." And about three months later, he wrote a new will that says. I leave $10,000 to my son and the rest divided equally among my sisters. And about three months later, he wrote a new will that says, I leave everything equally to my three sisters and my son. And here was why he did that. This was actually calculated. If if your will is successfully challenged, that doesn't mean that you go directly to intestate succession where the son would get everything. That means you go back to the most recent will. So if he was going to get a quarter and contested it then uh, successfully, then he'd be dropped to $10,000. And if he contested that will, he'd be dropped to $0. So there are some creative things you can do to try to protect your disinheritance. But here's the real lesson. If you talk to us about why you want to disinherit one of your children or make sure that the shares are unequal or whatever it is you want to accomplish, we can have a conversation about the most likely successful thing you can do. And, uh, and that's probably not to leave a dollar to Dave. And Robert, for folks who come in and want to have this discussion, if we're doing estate planning for two people, let's say uh, two spouses, and we're talking about kids and disinheriting a child, these are conversations we have to have all together. And so it's important to note here that frequently, if this topic comes up with a client or clients, not only do I make sure both clients are present if we're doing estate planning, I'm not going to just have mom tell me to disinherit a child. We need to have a conversation with dad in the room as well. But I tell people, let's think about it. Let me update the drafts. Let's meet again and talk about them. I'm somebody, Robert, who who tends to make these changes slowly for people because some of what's important is the conversation in between the drafting. Absolutely right. And people's circumstances and their relationships with their family do change. It's all a difficult subject. So when you come to us and say, I don't want to leave a penny to that jerk son of mine, David, we're going to have a lot more conversation. That's really what it, what it amounts to. Well, hey, I'm Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. You know, we do this weekly podcast me and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, we call it Elder Law Issues. Oh, wait, that's what you've been listening to. And we hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks.